Well, I think um, we could all agree that one of the most fundamental needs that we have as, as humans uh, is the need to be accepted. We want to feel on some level like we belong to something bigger than ourselves, like we have value that we contribute to the lives of other people or, or really to the things in life that we care about the most. And it doesn't really matter how young or how old you are, we all want the approval and the acceptance of our friends. A young lady named Marina Keegan captured this well in an article that she wrote for the Yale University newspaper in 2012. She wrote this, quote, We don't have a word for the opposite of loneliness, but if we did, I could say that's what I want in life. We don't have a word that necessarily describes the exact opposite of what it means to be lonely, but, but if there were such a word, I would want that word to mark my life. That's what she's saying. And, and I think there's probably a lot of people, perhaps even many across this room right now, and we can really resonate with that thought, and, and we want to belong to one another. We want to belong to our families and our friends. We want to belong to the various cultures of which we are a part. We want to belong to the world in which we live. Part of the problem is that this need that we have to be accepted has been twisted by sin, just like everything else in the world, to the point where we live in a culture that is willing to do anything at all for the acceptance and the admiration that our hearts so desperately crave. And one of the main ways that sin has twisted this is that we come to the place where we stop believing that our greatest need is to be accepted by God. Open your Bible, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 1. And uh, last week we began this series called Women of Wonder. And uh, the purpose of this series is to learn again how God used four women in the Bible to teach us lessons about the importance of the coming of Jesus. And in that, to ignite our hearts with a growing sense of wonder and amazement at who God is and all that he has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so today, in Luke chapter 1, we are learning from the life of Mary, whom God says in this passage is a woman of favor. That's the key word that we're going after today. Uh, Mary is a woman of favor. She has the favor of God upon her life. So uh, let's read through this passage together. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26 and down to verse 38. Luke 1, verse 26. This is the word of God. In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy described uh, right before this in chapter 1. She's giving birth to John. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
and the angel departed from her. So Father, I uh, just simply ask right now, Lord, would you lead us through this time to understand precisely, specifically, what it is that you desire to say to us today. Lord, would you give us eyes to see the truth of your word? Would you give us ears to hear what you are saying to us in your word by the power of your spirit? Lord, I pray that our hearts would be humble across this room right now, ready to receive whatever it is that you desire to say. Whether we expect it or not, whether we think we need it or not, Lord, may we come before you with, um, with willing hearts to hear from you. Spirit of God, would you be our teacher? Lead us in this time. And Father, would you strengthen me, I pray, to communicate your word well, faithfully, uh, as you have given it to us. Lord, we need you in this time. Would you help us, please, I pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's our big idea this morning. It comes right from this passage that we just read. Uh, You have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. That comes right out of verse 30 in this passage. The message of Gabriel to Mary is the message of God to every child of his who has been saved by his grace and repented from their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone to be the Lord and Savior of your life. God's message to you and to me is to assure us that the one thing that can truly satisfy our souls like nothing else in this world has been given to us in Jesus Christ. You have been accepted by God. I mean, think about this for a minute. If you're here this morning saved in Jesus Christ, if this is true about you, if you have the forgiveness of your sins and the hope of eternal life because you have recognized the finished work of Jesus in your place, then is there really a better thing that you could hear this morning? You have been accepted by God. You have found favor with God. So let's back this up just a little bit and and get some of the context here from Luke chapter 1. The events that Luke is describing here in the early parts of chapter 1 are the first words from God, albeit through an angel, but they're the first words from God that his people have heard from him in more than 400 years. So in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through the prophets. And and from the time that God last spoke to Malachi at the end of the Old Testament to the time that Luke's gospel begins, more than 400 years have passed. Scholars call this the intertestamental period. It's the time between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. It's a time where, for all intents and purposes, God has been silent. Nothing. From God. No prophets that he has sent, no messages that he has given. And yet, now at the beginning of Luke's gospel, an angel comes on behalf of God. And get this after more than 400 years of seemingly divine silence, the first message that God communicates to his people through this angel is to say this I am making a once and for all way for you to know my favor and be accepted forever by me. Like, that's amazing, isn't it? That's the story of the gospel. It's the story of God's love for you and me through the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. And he uses this young teenage girl to teach us this one particular lesson. In Jesus Christ, you have been accepted by God. In Jesus Christ, you have found favor with God. So my goal for this message this morning really has uh, two simple parts. First, I want to encourage you this morning in this message 
I really want you to be encouraged by what we read here in God's word. I want you to walk out of here just singing and worshiping and praising God uh, for what he's done for his goodness to us. Um, Last week, if you were like one of the 12 people who were here because of the storm, um, just kidding, there wasn't 12, it was more like 13, but but if if you were part of that really small group that was here, maybe you caught up online, um, you remember we covered the hard part last week, right? We looked at how God used Eve, despite her disobedience to God, to bring about the promise of the Savior. And that Savior will save anyone who believes in him. And as those who believe in him now, I want you to be encouraged by this. I want you to be encouraged by what we read here in Luke chapter 1. And and then the second part that I want you to, to see this morning, I want to help all of us who are saved in Jesus Christ to realize what God's favor has secured for us And to show us from this passage what it means for us to live in light of God's favor. What does it mean for you and me as followers of Jesus to live in light of the reality that God has saved us, that God has poured out his grace and his mercy and his love upon us? That's a part of what Mary's experience here teaches us about the importance of the coming of Jesus. So that's where we're headed this morning. Here they are, four realities of living in light of God's favor. Here's the first. You can jot this down. Number one, living in God's favor means that you know his presence. You know his presence. And that's really what the birth of Jesus teaches us, right? He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is here with us, like even right now. He is here with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Like these are some of the most sweet and precious promises in all of God's word. He is here with us even right now. And so the first reality of living in light of God's favor is that you know his presence. So at the very least, that means that we don't have to keep asking God to show us his favor because we have his favor in Jesus Christ because Jesus is in us. Verse 26, notice this, uh, Gabriel comes to Mary with a message. So Gabriel is only one of two angels that's mentioned by name in the Bible. The other one is Michael, and uh, Gabriel is a messenger from God, and he goes to Nazareth to find this teenage girl. But here's the thing, nobody goes to Nazareth. Like, nobody goes to Nazareth. Nobody knew about Nazareth. That's maybe part of the reason why Luke describes it here in this passage as a city of Galilee, because his readers would not have been familiar with that place. And nobody knew about it, mostly because it was a bunch of nobodies who came from Nazareth. In fact, most of the people from Nazareth were despised and rejected because the only thing that they were known for was their corruption and their low morals. And yet, Gabriel goes there. He goes there on behalf of God. Notice the text says here that God sent him to go there. And so he goes there. He goes to a place where nobody else goes. In verse 27, he goes to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So at this particular point, uh, Mary is probably about 13, 14 years old. That was the traditional age for this time of betrothal. And, and betrothal is like a legally binding contract that, that they would enter into this engagement period. And so uh, Mary and Joseph were uh, betrothed. And Gabriel says, verse 28, in response, notice, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So notice this. Mary is favored by God. In other words, uh, God has freely poured out his grace on Mary's life. He's freely poured out his love, his mercy upon Mary. And the goodwill of God has been given to Mary. That's what it means to have God's favor upon her life. So let's take all this down. Let's, let's take a step back for a minute and let's see the sequence of events that's playing out here. So God, via his angel Gabriel, is going to a place where nobody else goes. And he's going to a person that nobody else would go to. 
And even before he tells her uh, what she will do, he reminds her who she is. See that? He reminds her who she is. He, he comes to her and says, Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Oh, favored one, you have the grace and the mercy and the love of God upon your life, and the Lord is with you. This is who you are. This is your identity. This is what God has done for you. So even before he gets to the part where he talks about this is what God is going to do through you, this is what God is going to do in you, he begins by reminding her, this is who you are to this God. You belong to him. You are favored by him. And notice this. Not only does he remind her who she is, but he reminds her whose she is. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So notice this. Living in the light of God's favor means that you know God's presence. Really interesting here that um, there's no indication here that Mary is chosen uh, by God for any other reason than that God's grace is upon her. Um, You look at Zechariah earlier in chapter 1, the situation right before this passage we're in now. Zechariah is the father of John, and and Gabriel appeared to him as well. Uh, But Zechariah was a priest. He had a title. He had a position. He had religious responsibilities. And so we read through this, and it kind of makes sense on some level that, that maybe, you know, the angel would appear to him because he's got these religious duties that he needs to do, and it kind of makes sense. We can make a case for that. But then you get to Mary. Mary has nothing. She has no title. She has no religious responsibilities. Like she's 13, 14 years old. She probably literally has nothing to her name. And yet Gabriel comes to her purely out of God's grace upon her and says to her, the Lord is with you. Like just think about that statement for a minute. Think about the power of that single statement. The Lord is with you. Like all the way throughout the Bible. That is what has made the difference for God's people. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Consider this for a minute. Genesis 21, verse 22. Speaking of Abraham. The Bible says, At that time Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. And God gave Abraham success in the things that God gave him to do. Fast forward to Genesis 26, verse 24, speaking of Isaac, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared to him, that is to Isaac, the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you, and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. God gave success to Isaac in the things that he did. Fast forward again, Genesis 28, verse 15, speaking of Jacob, God says, Behold, I am with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. God gave success to Jacob and all those things. You fast forward again. Genesis 39 verse 2 says the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Fast forward, same chapter, 39, verse 21, says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Fast forward again, same chapter, chapter 39, verse 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Just think about that. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. We see this over and over and over again. All throughout the Bible, we see it with Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Samson, Samuel, David, Solomon, Ezra, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. 
like over and over again, the Lord is with you, the Lord is with you, the Lord is with you, and that's what makes the difference. That's what makes the difference for God's people. Their success was not because of what they could do. Their accomplishments were not because of them. The only reason that they were used by God in the ways that they were was because they had this keen awareness that the Lord was with them. And that's what solidifies the favor of God upon your life. And the reality is, this is not just an Old Testament thing that that we read about in the Old Testament, because what was true in the Old Testament for all of those people is also true for you and me today in Jesus Christ. Among the final words that Jesus would say before he ascended into heaven, do you remember? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, listen, in Jesus Christ you have the favor of God upon your life. Like, just think for a minute. You know what this means um, for success within your life? You know what this means for, for a biblical understanding, a definition of success? It means that any success that you have or any success that you will have is only because God has given you his favor. It's only because of his presence within your life. And not only that, but this whole idea of God's favor on your life completely blows up any worldly definition of success. Like a big bank account does not equal success. A a long and impressive resume does not equal success. A big house, a nice car, a flourishing business does not equal success. That may be how the world defines success, but for the child of God, God's presence is what I live for. Like that's the heart change that has to happen because when that changes, then everything else changes too. I live, I want, I desire more than anything else, the follower of Jesus says, to have the presence of God within my life. I want to live with this awareness that in everywhere that I go and with everything that I do, God is going with me. That I can have everything there is to have in this world, but if God is not with me, then none of that matters. I just want the Lord. I want to know that the Lord is with me. Let's back it up even just a bunch of steps before that. Um, Remember here that there was nothing at all to indicate that Mary deserved the grace of God upon her life. Okay, And as you and I look back to that day, to that moment, you can look back in your own life. Remember this. Remember that time where, where God moved you from darkness to light? Where God moved you from death to life? Where God moved you from unsaved to saved? Do you remember that time in your life? And and the reality is, for you and for me, there was nothing within us that made us worthy of the grace of God upon our life either. Like wretched sinners that we are, God, in his grace, comes to the place where no one else had come, and he comes in a way to us that no one else could. And think about it, in that moment, like when you, when you make that spiritual transaction from death in your sin to life in Jesus Christ, when that happens in that moment, he came looking specifically for you. Like that's how much he loves you. He came looking for you in that moment. He knew where you were. He knew what you were doing. He knew the sin that you needed to be saved from. And because of his love and his grace and his mercy upon you, not because of anything you have done, He comes to you and he says, I love you so much. Here's my grace. Here's my mercy. Here's my love. Here's my favor upon your life. And in that moment, you go from death to life. 
And his declaration upon you in that moment is, oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. Like, that, that happens in that moment, and that never changes. The Lord is with you. Like, think about this for a minute. Some of you are going to go back into a difficult workplace tomorrow. You're going to go back in there tomorrow morning, and you can know that as you go back in there, the Lord is with you. Some of you are, are going through difficult health situations right now, and it's been getting harder and harder and harder, and it's been going on for weeks and for months and for years, and, and it's not showing any signs of improvement, and, and yet even in the midst of the difficulty of that, you can know, you can go through that time knowing that the Lord is with you. You can go into the doctor's appointments knowing that the Lord is with you. You can be raising your kids. The Lord is with you. You can be waiting for that prodigal child to come home. The Lord is with you. You can be going tomorrow morning back into a classroom where you're the only one, as far as you know, who believes what you believe. You believe in Jesus Christ, and you're not sure that there's anybody else in that context, in that classroom, who believes the same thing you do. You're the only one there, and yet you can know going in that the Lord is with you. You can go into the ministry in which you serve knowing that the Lord is with you and loved ones, that's what makes the difference. That changes everything. Living in God's favor means, first of all, that you know God's presence. Second, it also means that you see his power. You see his power. So um, at this point in the story, let's, let's kind of pause here for a second and, and let's try and put ourselves uh, back into Mary's moccasins here for a minute. Uh, this is an unusual day to say the least. Uh, like this is a, a difficult day for Mary. It's not going the way that she planned and, and an angel suddenly appears to her, something that's never happened to this teenage girl before and, and the angel tells her that the Lord is with her, God's favor is upon her. She's trying to make sense of all this. And then verse 29 says that she is greatly troubled. Now, when the Bible says that she is greatly troubled, it's not like Mary's pulling out her phone and thinking, going through her calendar and all of her appointments and saying, oh, well, this is going to change things for today. You know, it's not that kind of trouble. Like, like when the Bible says that she is greatly troubled, it means that Mary is distressed to an extraordinary degree. Like she is greatly troubled. Like, she is terrified by this. Think, like, she's curled up in a corner, in a blanket, not coming out kind of troubled. This is not going the way that she thought it would. She's terrified. Parents, um, maybe you can compare it a little bit to something like, uh, you know that feeling when, when you're walking through the mall and you got your kids with you and you look behind and all of a sudden one of your kids is gone and, and you don't know where they are? And you don't know how long they've been gone? And you don't even know where to begin looking? All you know is that they're not there and your heart drops and, and you're so suddenly thinking, like, what's going on here? And maybe you can think, maybe, maybe you were the kid who kind of got separated from your parents and, and you don't even know where to go. You don't know who to talk to. You don't know where to, where to start with all this. And again, your heart drops, same feeling, right? That's a little bit of, of maybe what Mary's experiencing here. And I don't know about you, but at first glance, I, I read through this passage and, and I start to wonder a little bit if what Gabriel actually says next is really helpful. You know what I mean? Like, like take a look at what he says. Look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So that's a great place to start. That's a good start, okay? But then notice what he says in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Like, I'm kind of wondering at this point, 
Like, if there's anyone among us who, if, again, if we were in Mary's moccasins that day, if, if we would hear Gabriel say all of that, and then we would just suddenly sit up and think to ourselves, oh, well, that makes sense. Right? Like, that clears everything up, right? And um, keep in mind, Mary is absolutely terrified. She has no idea what's going on. She's never experienced anything like this before. She's 13, 14 years old, trying to process all of this. And the first thing out of the gate that Gabriel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So that's good. But then he goes on and says, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Like, is that going to make Mary's day better? Right? We kind of wonder about that. And yet, I want to suggest to you that for all of the fear that Mary is feeling right now in this moment, that God, through Gabriel is giving to Mary exactly what she needs. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at at your Bible. Look at the text again, verse 31. Gabriel comes to her and says, Mary, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. That name Jesus means Yahweh saves. It means the Lord is my salvation. It goes on, verse 32. Gabriel says to her, Mary, this baby that you're going to give birth to is going to be great. Like in contrast to the rest of humanity who is not great because of our sin, in contrast to John who's going to prepare the way before him, like Jesus is going to be great. Verse 32 again, Gabriel says, Mary, this baby you're going to give birth to, he will be called Son of the Most High. He will be God's own Son. He will be God himself. Verse 32, Mary, this baby you're going to give birth to, uh, he will be given the throne of his father David. In other words, he will be Israel's Messiah the Savior that God promised to David hundreds of years before. Keep going, verse 33. Gabriel says, Mary, this baby you're going to give birth to, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. So so he will be great, he will be God, he will be Savior, but notice this, he's also going to be king and ruler over God's people forever. And then verse 33 again, he says, Mary, his kingdom will never end. He is eternal and he will reign as the king of creation for all of eternity. Do you see what's going on here? Like Mary is absolutely terrified. Just try as hard as you can to put yourself into that circumstance, into that situation right now. She is beside herself trying to figure all of this out. And God's answer through Gabriel to Mary is to simply say this. The answer to your fear is to understand who Jesus really is. Like understand, loved ones, that The hero of this story is not Mary. It never has been and it never will be. Like, praise the Lord for the ways that he used Mary to teach us some of these really important lessons, but but the hero of this story is not Mary. The hero of this story is not Gabriel. The hero of this story is this little baby who hasn't even been born yet. Why? Because he is God eternally existing, who has taken on flesh and has come to dwell among us. He who is without sin in his greatness, that's what makes him so great. He who is without sin came and took our sins upon himself in his perfect life and death and resurrection from the dead is what makes it possible for only him to be our Messiah and that through faith in him, we know that Yahweh saves. We know that the Lord is my salvation and that salvation has been secured by a king with whom we will reign for all of eternity. That is awesome. That is the story of Christmas. That is the story of the gospel. Like, we go through problems in our life that make us legitimately afraid, right? 
Like we go through things that, that just are really, really difficult. And the challenge right now for us as we go through this passage is that um, there is nobody in this room right now, me included, um, who can totally understand what Mary's going through. Right? We just can't. Like she's about to give birth to God. Right? Like for as great as your kids are, that's not your problem. Right? It's not my problem either. Like we're not about to give birth to God. But, but the nature of our problems is the same, right? We get afraid, we get anxious, we get worried, we get confused. Sometimes we get totally terrified. And, and part of what we're learning here as we go through this passage in God's word is that there is not a single fear that is represented in this room right now that must not bow to the power of this Jesus. Like, like just think of what, just think of the magnitude of what's happening here in Luke chapter one. Gabriel introduces Mary to her child that hasn't even been born yet. Like, that's anxiety off the charts right from the start, right? Like, that's just out of this world. And, and this little baby, though, about to be born in this manger, this little baby who is great, this little baby who is God, this little baby who is Savior and King and eternal, this little baby has power over every fear that we have. And so it's important for us to note here that the antidote to your fear is to know your Jesus. Know who he is. Know how powerful he is. Because when you know your Jesus, you see his power. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Living in God's favor means that you know his presence. You see his power. And then third, it means that you seek his plan. You seek his plan. I, I love Mary's follow-up question here. It's a great question. Uh, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? Notice here that Mary is not asking if God can do it. Mary's not asking can God do it. She's asking how will God do this? Because from Mary's perspective at this point, really from our perspective as we're reading this story, this looks to be absolutely impossible. And then Gabriel follows up. He says this in verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So notice each member of the Godhead in that verse Okay, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. That's God the Father. And the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. That's Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in that verse. And behold, verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Have you ever stood on uh, like the front edge of a circumstance in your life Believing completely that God has brought you to that point, but you have no idea how it's going to go from that point forward. And, and you're like, okay, God, if this is going to happen, you have to do this. Anybody else been there? Like, like we've all probably been there to some degree or another, right? And, and that's a little bit of where Mary is right now. And, and as we stand on the front edge of those circumstances within our own life, and, and we, we think to ourselves, God, I can't see how this is going to go. Like, God, I don't know where this is going right now. I don't know how this is going to end up. And, and maybe you're up against one of those circumstances right now. Maybe it's a, a situation at work that you have no power over. 
But maybe it's the emotional roller coaster that you find yourself on from one day to the next because you're in a circumstance that is so out of your control. And, and we find ourselves standing there saying, God, I believe you brought me here, but how can this be? Like, where's this going? Many of you know uh, Nick and Dorothy Musona and their family. Um, Musonas have been part of our church family for a long time, and uh, they came to Canada a number of years ago as refugees from Zimbabwe. And uh, shortly after they arrived in Brantford, started coming to our church. They've been part of this church family now for uh, quite a while. And, and since they've been here, um, they've been working really hard at becoming Canadian citizens and getting their permanent residency status here in Canada. And that's been a process for them that has taken years. Like, not months. It's taken years as they've gone through this process. And throughout all that time, in a good way, um, I've kind of lost track of how many times we've prayed with Nick and Dorothy about, about all the things that they've been going through as part of this process and their family. And, and um, they've come up to the front after services on a weekend and, and they've, they've prayed with me, they've prayed with our elders, prayed with other people on our prayer team up here. And, and they've just, they just keep asking us to pray. And, um, and more often than not, when they come up to the front, the conversations have been something along the lines of, you know, like, here's where we are. And uh, we don't know where this is going. We can't see how this is going to happen. Uh, all we know is this little bit, and, and we just need to pray. Because if anything's going to happen here, God has to do it. Because it's just out of our hands. And, and so um, there have been so many times where we've just stood up here at the front, and, and we've just prayed with them. And, and I remember after prayer meetings, um, our elders would would stand with Nick and Dorothy and their family, just gather around them and uh, members of their small group and their small group leaders and, and just gathering around them, tears just streaming down our faces, crying out to God because you got to understand that, that part of the process for them as they've gone through this is that um, they could have gotten a call literally at any time from the government saying to them, uh, you need to leave the country by such and such a date because there's nothing more we can do for you. So just try and imagine the uncertainty and the difficulty of living your life from one day to the next, not really knowing how this is all going to go. And so this week, uh, I got an email from Nick and Dorothy, and um, they found out that they are finally at the end of this road that they have been walking for years. And at the end of this month, they get their permanent residency in Canada. Amen. 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 And they are here to stay. But you got to understand, um, there have been so many times through that process, so many times over the past three, four, five years, that we've stood up here and we've prayed together and, and we've called out to the Lord because, Lord, we just don't know. Like, Lord, we, we believe you've brought this family to this place, to this point, at this time. We believe all of that. But God, if anything's going to happen here, you've got to make it happen. How can this be? How is this going to happen? See, here's the thing. Living in God's favor doesn't mean that we know all the specifics of the plan all the time. It, in fact, it might mean that we do know the specifics of the plan, but it seems so unbelievable to us, just like what's happening here with Mary. It seems so off the wall. But the point here is that we are committed to seeking his plan. And in seeking his plan, God is faithful to lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. And walking in obedience to God, that's where the favor of God is found. 
That's why, just a little side note here, that's why I'm really, really excited about this Mission City Institute and, and as many people as possible getting plugged into these classes, into these discipleship efforts, especially when it comes to this class about how to study God's word for yourself. Again, uh, three different options for you to plug into, but, but the really important part here is that you get into God's word and you learn how to study God's word for yourself so you can open it up on your own and have these tools that you are equipped with so that you can understand what it is that God is saying to you and you can understand God's plan as it unfolds right here in his word. We seek his plan. That's part of living in light of the favor of God. So I want to encourage you again, Um, don't waste any time. Like, go home this afternoon, get plugged in, get signed up for one of these classes and register uh, as soon as you possibly can. Now, look at verse 37 again. Gabriel uh, says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Loved ones, there should be a a heaviness, a, a little bit of a weight that falls upon us when we hear a statement like that. For nothing will be impossible with God. I wonder if if we were to do a little bit of a survey, just an informal survey around the room right now, don't worry, we're not gonna do it, but but I wonder if we were to do it, um, how many of us would say, sure God, I... I know that you can do some really great things. I know that you did some great things for the Misonas. I, I know that you've done some great things for other people that I know and that I love and care about. But when it comes to this particular thing within my life, God, I'm, I'm just not so sure. Like, I wonder how many of us would say that. And, and uh, if that's where you are right now, can I encourage you just to take that thought for a second, stuff it in your back pocket and listen to this. God is about to take the faith of Elizabeth, who was barren, and in her old age, she is about to give birth to John. God is about to take the faith of Mary, who in her young age is about to give birth to Jesus, the Son of God. So what we have here is both a barren woman and a virgin woman who will conceive and give birth to two boys, both of whom will radically change the world, and one of whom will completely redefine human history forever. Like when you see it like that, then you begin to understand nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. Here's the point. God can bring life where you would never expect life to be. And God can bring answers where you would never expect answers to come from. And God can bring those things about in ways that you would never expect them to come. And that, my friends, is the story of the gospel. That's the story of Christmas. Jesus Christ, the Holy Son of God, come to save us from our sins. Coming in the most unbelievable and impossible of ways. Made possible by the power and the love and the mercy and the grace of the Most High God himself. Like, think about this. That's not just the story of Christmas. That is the testimony of some of you sitting in this room right now. Like the hardest of hearts, the farthest from God. And God softens that heart and he brings you to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because nothing is impossible with God. That's the testimony of some of you sitting beside the people that you've prayed for God to save. Like, think about it. Some of you are sitting here right now because because the person sitting beside you or somebody else sitting in this room prayed that God would save you. And you know that your heart was far from God. You know that your heart was hard toward the things of God. 
You know that you weren't even searching for God and yet somebody else sitting in this room maybe or somebody else that you know who loves Jesus spend all of that time praying and seeking and waiting for the Lord to move in power and pour out his grace and pour out his favor upon your life. And then there came that moment where in his grace he came to you. He was looking for you. He came for you specifically and he took you from death to life. He poured out his favor upon you. Maybe because the person sitting beside you Spend all that time praying for you. Why? Why does, why does stuff like that happen? It happens because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. So uh, we have our, our Christmas prayer meeting coming up in about a week and a half, December 18th. And um, it's so important for us to be together and to pray together as a church family and to seek the plan of God in these things. And And we're asking you again as we approach this prayer meeting on the 18th, um, we're asking you again for the names of people in your life for whom you need God to do the impossible. And and the thing is, we're going to spend the better part of that prayer meeting praying for people that you don't even know. Like, that's just the reality of it, right? We're going to be praying, we're going to be going around this room, and there's going to be pieces of paper taped to the wall, and they're going to have a bunch of names on them, and you don't know who those people are, you don't know what they look like, you don't know where they're from, you don't know what their life is like, all you know is the name that's on the wall. And we're going to be praying for those people. But think about this again, there was probably a time before you were saved that many people who did not know you were praying for you to be saved. And so we come together in that spirit, believing that God can do anything. Believing that God can do the impossible. Believing that God can take the prayers of his people as we gather together. Praying for people that we don't know. Because on some level, it doesn't really matter whether we know them or not. We're bringing them before the God who can do anything. Save anybody. So I just want to encourage you over these these next 10 days or so to to make sure you get us those names. You can email those names. Go on our website. There's a place for you to do that. But get us those names so we can be praying for those people by name as we come together on that prayer meeting December 18th. I want to encourage you to do everything you possibly can to be here for that. Living in God's favor means that you know his presence, you see his power, you seek his plan. Finally, this, number four, you walk by faith. You walk by faith. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You walk by faith. One commentator said it like this. This is how God's people respond to God even when they don't understand the plan. Love that. This is how God's people respond to God even when they don't understand the plan. Mary says here, notice, God, I am your servant. I'm here to do your will. God, let it be to me according to your word. You know what she's saying here? She's saying, God, I want to be where you want me to be. God, I want to be doing what you want me to be doing. Even if I don't fully understand right now everything that you're telling me, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to lay down my life for whatever it is that you're calling me to. Like, it's almost like she's saying, listen, God, all, all I know is that I don't see the whole plan right now but I do see this teeny tiny piece. I see this really clearly. And so I'm gonna take that teeny tiny piece that I do see really clearly and I'm gonna walk by faith. Think about this for a minute. When you look at Mary's experience here, somebody actually pointed this out to me in between services after the first service and, and I, she said it and I thought to myself, man, why didn't I see that? Like that was so good. And so I, I wanna pass it on to you because it is so good. How do you go how do you go from verse 34 where, she's, where Mary says, how will this be, to verse 38 where she says, let this be? 
How do you go from how will this be to suddenly being in a place where you can say, God, let this be? What has to happen in between there? You can do that. You can go from one place to the next when you understand who it is that has poured out his favor upon you. You can go to that place when you understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit are fully and totally yours in Jesus Christ. You belong to the God who specializes in doing the impossible. And so you can come before him and you can lay down your life before him and say, God, I know I walk confidently by faith in the reality that I have your favor upon my life. So wherever it is you want me to go, whatever it is you want me to do, whatever it is that you want me to say, God, here's my life, use me. Take me wherever you want. Do with me whatever you want. As a child of the living God, through faith in Jesus Christ, listen, loved ones, you have found favor with God. Mary's experience here teaches us that living in light of that favor means you know his presence, you see his power, you seek his plan, and you walk by faith.